Amen. Um, I brought blue notes, so if you have the opportunity, I want to take notes and kind of follow along with where I'm going. They're at the ends of the white tables and some ink pens if you need them to. Um, very. Okay, how many have experienced the crud of, of the recent season? Like, how many have experienced it like threefold? Like, you didn't just get the one, but you got like several versions of something, and then you're just like, and none of them were good. We, we've been down that road, and I'm very thankful that, that we're on many uh, on the other side, but then there are some who are not on the other side. They're still kind of in the middle, so we're gonna, we're going to continue to pray for them, um, pray that, that God's healing and the opportunities He brings in in our sickness and our weakness to just show Himself merciful and gracious that we'll see that. And just that last song, Standing on the Promises, I'm reminded of something Carrie shared with me yesterday. We just we kind of go back and forth. We watch a lot of things. We listen to a lot of things. So we go back and forth with, hey, I heard this, I saw this. And this was one she mentioned, and it just... It just seemed to fit, and it fits in this moment of getting ready to share the word. She was talking about to me about a pastor who knew he had a very just like a really um, a very deep and and kind of a hard sermon to preach. Not not hard in the sense of difficult to preach, but hard in the sense of some really strong doctrinal foundational things from the word. And so he's prepared for that. And then one of like one of the one of the great members of the church, a man who'd been faithful, uh, passed away. Like just somewhere right close to time for sermon. You know, maybe not in the moment like he died right there in the cr- in the crowd, but like really, really recent death. His wife was there, and everybody's feeling just bad. It's a sad. It's a somber and sad moment because of this loss. Any, you know, pastoral something that kicks in is like, oh, I just want to be compassionate and kind and caring. And I know there she's just, she's sitting right out there in the crowd. And yet I've got this, I've prepared for this really hard hitting sermon. And it's like his, I think temptation was to kind of like, but the Lord just said, no, it right here. And I think there was, I got an idea probably from there was a little bit of argument, but, but, but Lord, I mean, she's right. This is not, this is not an easy time. And he just kept having that nudge, stick with it, stick with the word, preach it. So he did. And he preached it and he laid it out there and it was just, you know, just point upon point, powerful, hard hitting gospel truth stuff. And when it was all over, he went, back to her and I don't know if I don't know so much the interchange but I'm thinking in my mind what I would have been like is like I I, I sort of want to be like how are you almost want to like feel like apologetic like I know I had to and I know you're hurting but whatever and he went back to talk to her and she said thank you so much for that because I needed to know that foundation. I, I, that's when, when things are crazy and when things are sad and when things are all everywhere. And you know that you know that God's Word is true and that He is that solid foundation and He has these things. you know, And He gives you that firm foundation to stand on. You're not just falling infinitely into your sadness or into your troubles, but that you fall on a rock and it gives you a place to stand and even though everything falls around you you stand the parable that jesus i reminded of the parable that jesus taught about the the house that was built on the sand and the house that was built on the rock familiar with that and the rains came and beat on each one of those houses and the one built on the sand just crumbled because it had no foundation but the but the one that was built on the rock weathered the storm and stood And that is the power of the Word of God in us. And that's the importance of us doing this. Like, that's the importance of us being here together in this place. 
There is worship. Yes. There is fellowship. Yes. But there can be no worship. And there can be no real fellowship if it's not founded on something that is absolutely bedrock solid true. You know what I'm saying? And so that's what brings us to this. That's what brings us to this place. And my heart's desire is to do justice and rightly present the Word of God. And I know that you will hear my thoughts and, and my study and you'll see outlines notes and stuff I put on there fill in these blanks because I'm asking you to fill in these blanks but the importance is what does the word say like what does thus saith the Lord thus this is that the word of God would be preeminent and that if I add anything to anything more than any more than anything, it's just probably going to be maybe something colorful. And if y'all know me, that I'm probably sometimes more colorful uh, or psychedelic. No, I don't want to do that. That that could be misconstrued. No, we don't want to go psychedelic. But I'm very colorful. I know I can be that because not because I think it's a way to engage people, but because it's kind of how God tells me stories and shows me and opens my eyes to see the the parables that He opens up, the understanding and the and the years of just seeing him do stuff and experiencing him do stuff kind of gives lends lends words to i don't know bring out not my but his words to magnify to to amplify his words and anything that doesn't do that well I just kind of hope that that just kind of fades out of your ears you know huh Randy says this all the time. He's like, I pray that if there was something I said that just didn't quite land someplace, that you forget it. That it just kind of just kind of becomes nothing, and the focus is on what does the word say. So that is my that is my prayer today. And and with introing that, let's pray again. Father, I thank you because I know that you have brought us to this place. You have brought us together for such a time as this. You have put people in this room to hear your word and to hear what I know that you've given me to share for a reason on purpose. And I know that purpose is for your glory and for the power of your word and your Holy Spirit to rule and reign in all of our hearts, that we look to your word and we stand on your word and we hold tight to your word as truth and anchor. And may that be what motivates this speaking and sharing today for me, for your glory, for the sake of your word being magnified, for the sake of you being glorified, for who you truly are and awaken in our hearts in mine and all of our hearts an affection for you an affection for your word and I pray by the power of your Holy Spirit you would open eyes to see your truth from your word and open hearts to receive what you would give to us for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 through 20. And I'm going to tell you this, this is where I've been for a while. Uh, almost to the point where I open this Bible up and it just pretty much just falls open to Matthew chapter 28. Um, Matthew twenty-eight sixteen through 20. It would help if I actually had it open to Matthew. Of all the times it would not open to Matthew chapter 28, it would be right now. <laughs> now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. 
And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. We are familiar with the Great Commission, right? I mean, I'm going to look across for the most part in this crowd, and you can nod your head and that's okay. Interaction is good. But we're familiar with the Great Commission, right? Go into all the world. Make disciples of every nation. And, and it's just a thing. It's sort of like John 3.16, right? For God so loved the world that he gave, he gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life or everlasting life. And we just know it. And we just say it. Now, it's really something something interesting. Just kind of step back from this scripture for a second. We were out in the hall earlier, and we just talk about... They're, they're, we could talk about anything. Just going to be honest. We could talk about anything. It could be stuff that, you know, what the Lord has done, or how the week's been, or how everybody's feeling, to... Um, for, for me, it could be related to cartoons. I'm sorry, because it's just something that happens here. But I see, again, in pictures, and there's a lot of cartoons up here. And that's not always good, but it's not always bad. But we were in the hall, and we, and we were kind of talking. And and I wish Chuck was in here, because I would point at him and say something. But I'll wait till later, and I'll just point at him, and he won't know why. Um, but we were talking, and, and something came up about lyrics of a song. Like when you think you know the lyrics of a song, but you really don't, right? And and I think of a lot of examples. Uh, there's an old uh, Creedence Clearwater Revival song, There's a Bad Moon on the Rise. If you're not familiar, it's okay. <laughs> because you are blessed if you're not familiar. I'm just saying. But if it's something that you grew up around, you may or may not be blessed. <laughs> But th- there's a bad moon on the rise. There's the bathroom on the right. You, you have, have, can, can I get a witness? <laughs> like there's songs that, that you think you know the lyrics to, and it just becomes a familiar thing, and you just go down that road. That's where you are. So when somebody shows you the lyrics and you see it for the first time, you're like, oh. <laughs> I had... I had no idea. I had no idea. Because we get familiar with how we see things and how we hear things. And I believe that sometimes that's what happens in these verses that we become very familiar with, is that we hear and we see things and we just kind of, our brain, our mind just goes right to the point that we saw, that we heard, at some time. And if we don't take time to look at especially those that are familiar because they have they have some power in there, there's some deep points there. If we don't sometimes come back to those and look at those again, we miss some of the depth that's there. And that's kind of what I want to do. That's not kind of. That is what I want to do with this verse. And it starts, All authority... In heaven and on earth has been given to me. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. First point Jesus is sovereign. Okay? He is sovereign. This is by the Father's decree. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Given by who? By the world? By the crowd? By people? No, by God. Because God the Father has all the authority to give, and He's given it to Jesus. And He says, all authority in heaven and on earth 
has been given to me. So Jesus is sovereign. In definition, sovereign means possessing unrivaled power. Possessing unrivaled power. His will and plans cannot be thwarted. His will and plans cannot be thwarted. If you want to contest that, or, or and I say in general, if anybody wants to contest that and fight that concept, then here's my challenge to that person. Die and raise yourself from the dead. And then maybe we can talk about whether you can contest this or not. Behold the power of the resurrection. Right? That is the power of the resurrection. It's like uh, no one else can do that. So if you could do that, then we can contest whether or not God's sovereign or whether or not his plans can be thwarted. And you can't. And I can't. And no one can. But he can. So Jesus is Lord of heaven and earth. He is Lord of heaven and earth. And this is important for us to get a hold of because he's not just Lord over there, over yonder, just over in the glory land, he's Lord. Not, not just Lord over there. And he's not just Lord of my sweet little heart and your sweet little heart. He is Lord of all. In heaven and on earth. And then get this next point, okay? Here, here's the next part of that, like right on the heels of that authority and of that sovereignty is this. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. If you, well, let's just, therefore is always about context. Therefore is always about context. And context matters more than anything else in the, in the word. It does. And I know that we have struggled with context because the verses and the numbers that have been put in there to help us make quick reference of scriptures has also kind of helped us to yank pieces and parts out and just put them anywhere and everywhere. Not just on a coffee mug or on, on the wall, but just place them just anywhere in our lives. We just want to, you know, we just want to throw a verse out there and just say it means something because I saw it in this verse. I'm going to be ridiculous. I'm going to be ridiculous, and I hope you see it as ridiculous right now. I, I don't have it on the list, Chase, so that's no worries. And it's probably better that you don't because you'd see it in context and mess this whole illustration up. But there is a place in the Bible for atheists. Psalm 14.1 says, There is no God. The end, let's go. Oh, I mean, uh, other than context, where it says, A fool in his heart has said, There is no God. Now that seems ridiculous, right? It's like what a ridiculous misuse of context. But do we do that? I'm honest. Guilty? Guilty. I'm, I'm, I've been guilty of pulling a, hearing a verse, knowing a verse, and just spitting it out there. And that's what's happened to this Great Commission in so many ways. Because we just go straight to the go there for and make disciples of all nations. Where you see therefore, if you see the word therefore, find out what it's there for. Uh, you've heard Randy preach that. You've heard it said here, and it's the truth. If you see a therefore, find out what it's there for. 
go back and look at that and see why it says what it says. Prior to go is all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, in light of that, for that reason, for that reason, go. It isn't just a a generic command to go. Just go into all the world, passing out the gospel and, you know, la, la, la. No. Because I have authority and it's been given to me. Because I have authority. We are to go on His authority and by His command. It's not optional or conditional. Because He has the authority to send Because he has the authority, he said go. It's not optional. And it's not conditional. There's no piece in there that says, but if times get kind of wonky, and the government gets kind of stupid, everybody's eyes come up, oh yeah? Do we want to talk about that today? I don't need to. It just It triggered 40 things, I think, in my head. Probably yours too. If the government gets stupid, and all of our rights are getting taken away, then kind of cancel all this and we're just going to go hunker in the bunker and hide out with our guns and our food supply and we're going to just wait for them to come and take us over over our cold dead something or others or whatever. Am I saying don't be prepared? Hardly. Am I saying don't be wise? No. I mean, for one thing, we live in Missouri. I don't know where you are, but there's bears and wild hogs in my area, so I'm going to be armed. And there's also meth heads, but that's another story. I'm going to be prepared, and we should be prepared for anything, because, you know, it's a good idea. It's wisdom. But even in all of that, there's no place in the go, therefore, that says, but if it gets weird or difficult, Go hide out somewhere. He has all authority. He has all the power and all the authority. And because of that, he says, go. And I want to posit this little piece in there. Because I know that we have some here that are going. You know, launching out to to Africa very, very soon. Right? So we've we've got that, you know, Renee and Maddie and pray. Just pray for them because it's a I mean it's a launch from from southeast Missouri over into Africa. They've been there and they understand some things. Y'all know what it's like. There's stories, we have pictures, and it's different. And so there's a launch out into some place. But the big picture for us in Go is not like a missile launched, but like a stone dropped in a lake. I don't care how big the lake is. You drop a stone in that lake and the ripples and the waves go out from that and touch the shore. That's the going. That is the, the power and the authority that we've been given in Christ, not in a, not of ourselves, but by His Word and in Christ we have been given some authority. And the authority is the Word of God and the Gospel of Christ. I have it on good authority that Jesus died, was buried, and rose again. I have it on good authority that God made and created all things for His glory, and He will bring all those things back to that place. He will do it. It will be done. I have it on authority. And by that authority, I go out to make waves in the world for His glory by that authority, and also by His command. And He will, and He is, dropping us like stones in a lake to make those waves. And I know 
that I'm guilty. I am guilty of trying to make it somewhere over there. I know that I'm guilty of trying to make it somewhere in here, in the box, in this room where fellow believers gather. And I don't want to make light of the gathering at all because we are commanded to gather and worship and encourage one another with the word. We are commanded to do that. We are told to do that. I don't want to make light of it. But I do know that I have used this as an excuse to not be what I'm called to be in all spaces at all times. Now, have I done my best as a believer to to live above reproach so you can't find fault with me because I'm a liar, cheat, steal, whatever? Absolutely. Have I followed the precepts of the Word as hard and and as much as I can? Sure, yes. I'm not saying I'm pretending to be something else over here and then but then in the pulpit, I'm Mr. Church Preacher or something. No, I'm, I am what I am everywhere that I am. But I have used being in this building as an excuse for not being everything I could be that He calls me to be out there as a witness, as a testimony of His Word, as a, as a warning to those who are going to perish apart from the work of God's gospel in their lives. You don't, do you know what I'm saying? And I don't say that lightly. I don't. It's convicting. Like the past several weeks, like several weeks, uh, we've been somewhat immersed in this scripture and immersed in this concept of God is sovereign over everything, heaven and earth. He is King of kings and Lord of lords now. Not in some future something out there somewhere in the revelatory end something. No, He is Lord now. Jesus is Lord over everything now. And just because it looks wonky does not mean that He is not Lord. Just because it's difficult or things don't go like I want them to or we want them to does not mean that He is not Lord of all right now, right here. And I know that I do not want to use this place, this this calling as an excuse. I do not want to use the circumstances that I find in the world around me as an excuse to not proclaim the gospel of Christ boldly as the Lord gives words to people, to me, for people in circumstances. I don't want to do that, and I don't want to use anything. I don't want to use anything or any place as a, but I'm already doing it in the church thing excuse ever again, ever again. And because of this understanding that He has all authority and all power, and He's sovereign and He's Lord, I realize it's like I don't want to miss the opportunity to be obedient even if it means people aren't going to like it. Because we know what Jesus said. We know the words. They hated me. They will hate you. You won't be everybody's friend. And if you are, 
everybody's friend and everybody loves you and you they think you're the, just the greatest person ever. You know, Kevin, man, he's just a great guy. He's just easy to get along with everything. He's just, just something, something. And they are headed for hell. And they're not saying, I don't know, you just kind of make me uncomfortable a little bit. You kind of intimidate me just a little bit. Not because I'm a jerk. Can, I, can we get that straight? Not because my intention and my attitude is like, you're going to burn in hell, so here. Here's the gospel. <laughs> oh, gee, thanks. But love and compassion says, hey, I was here. Paul, Paul talks about it, right? Which all of you once were. You, you were there. You were there, but by the grace of God, you're not. So don't, you have no place to put on a high hat or get on a high horse or any other high place. You don't, you don't have a high place to get on and look down at people and go, well, look at all you unchosen wretches, you know. Sorry, you don't. I don't. You don't. But because he is Lord and sovereign and he's given grace to me. I, I want to go. And it'll make people uncomfortable. And I do want to make people uncomfortable. I do. I want to make people uncomfortable. Not just for the discomfort's sake. Not just to rub their face in it. I want to make them uncomfortable because the Spirit of God and the Word of God is convicting them. He's convicting them. I've referenced this before, and I'll, and I'll move on. Pendulette, some may be familiar, pen and teller, magicians, comedians, something or other, atheists. You know, I mean, Penn is just a prolific, you know, wordy atheist. And he had a guy witness to him at a show after it was over. He came up to him and just was trying to really hard to give him the gospel. And, of course, Penn was like, yeah, yeah, okay, whatever, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't believe this. I don't need this, and all these kind of things. Whatever he was, but he said the guy was so kind, and he just was so, he was just so polite, and he's so genuine with me. And I could see he was very passionate about what he believed, and I appreciated that. And he said, but here's the point, and and I'm not going to quote him verbatim because I just know the pieces. It's like, you know, if you think about it, if you have this in your mind that someone is going to go to hell and you have a way for them to not go there, and you don't tell them, then that's just the same as hating that person. It's hating them. To not tell them where they're headed. To not let them know. You know, or let them understand that. And so, so that's the... The first piece of stirring to me in the go and in the possibility of making it uncomfortable for people makes me uncomfortable because I think about me. I think about me. I think about my circumstances. I think about my situation. What if it goes hard for me? What if, what if, what if the, I, I'm witnessing and I'm sharing the gospel with people and somebody high up gets mad and I get fired? Or, or, or maybe I don't get fired because they just don't want to do that. But but I don't get raises and I don't get the jobs. I get demoted. I get kind of put someplace where I can't. You know what? What if? But but what if it makes it uncomfortable? What if people? What if they come after me? Like what if the nut jobs in the higher places they just they run after me and they're just like, oh how dare you? I, okay. I mean, that's easy to say, but it's also hard to say because there's a reality behind it. It's like yeah, but what if that is true? Like what if that really is true? It's like, but what's more important? I mean, like, really, what has the greater weight? The gospel of Jesus Christ penetrating the soul and saving him. What, what if Sarah Poppy, which some of you have heard my testimony before, what if Sarah Poppy would have, what if, what if she'd have done that? You know, just, just what if she'd have done that? What if she'd have said, mm, you know, I don't, he might not, these, these kids might not like me if I give them the gospel. They might not think I'm cool. They might not think I'm with it. They might not think I'm in their, you know, understand their generation. I'm not, uh, oh, come on, what is the word? There's this relevant. Rel I'm not relevant. 
what if? Now, I can say what if because I'm on the other side of it, and, and God did use that woman to do this in me. I can say that because I'm on the other side. But I can also think, what if she had said that? And we say, well, you know, in the sovereignty of God, you probably would have come to Christ too. You know, maybe eventually somewhere out there. Great. So I could have had years of pain and I could have had years of loss. But I eventually came to Christ, you know, because that's where things were going. I don't know. It falls apart, y'all. It just falls apart. It just does. It falls all apart. And it takes away all my excuses because I want to be because he said go. I want to be about the gospel because he said be about the gospel. Do I let him in his sovereignty work those things out? Absolutely. But I'm going to be obedient. And I want to be obedient regardless of what it costs me. Because I don't own me. You hear where I'm at? I was bought with a price. This great commission is not cheap. It is not cheap. And it is not an easy something. It it was bought with a price. We are told when it says, go therefore and make disciples. Make disciples equals make students. Make disciples, in the notes, make disciples equals make students. We are to be learners, not just followers. Say it again. We are to be learners, not just followers. Back in Matthew again, Matthew chapter 13. Matthew 13, 18 through 23. Jesus had given the parable of the sower, and we're familiar, the different, the, seed, the same seed that fell on different soils and produced different results. And the apostles, the disciples at the time, had questions. I don't know where this is coming from. We don't understand you. Please explain it to us. Like many parables, that by the grace of God we understand because of the enlightenment of the Holy Spirit and the fullness of the Word, and they didn't have that. And so it was mysterious to them, but to not, not to us because of the Holy Spirit's work. But from 18, he says, he begins to explain it. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. There is so much just in that, right? There's just so much. And I know there'll be a time, I, I, I pray, a time to dig a little deeper into that, but I want to hear just the pieces for now. As for what was sown on the rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it, he indeed bears fruit and yields in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. The first three would be indicative of those who were just followers. You know what I'm saying, right? Because we see that in the ministry of Jesus. There were people who, were, who would follow, and they would follow, and they would follow. And then things would get hard, or Jesus would say something really hard or really like knock them back on their heels and they're out of there. And then he's just back to the 12 looking around going, where's everybody? And what did you mean by that? You, you, you see those things in Scripture. I'm not just making this up. Like you see the where is everyone and what does this mean that you said this was a hard saying. Just followers, 
They came out for a meal. They came out for some interesting words. Someone who's very wise, someone who's very uplifting somehow or other. Someone who's just like, wow, he speaks with authority. They saw that. And then out of his authority, he said something difficult for them to swallow. And like, oh, I don't, I, I'm done with that. Just, just followers. They were just followers. But what you hear the last is the, the ones who are the learners, the disciples. They hear the word and they hear Jesus saying things that goes beyond just their brain and their understanding and goes to their heart and it convicts them of truth. And they don't just follow, they learn. And he's calling us to make disciples. He's calling us to make learners. He is calling us to teach those who will teach. It's a verse that I've had in my head for for so many years since Bethany quoted it when she was tiny. 2 Timothy 2.2 And the things you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit those to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Make disciple makers. Pour yourself into people. Teach and lead. And I know, for us, we understand in great depth that it starts in our house. Like it starts in the home. It starts where we are with the people that we talk to. It starts there. We know that. Husbands, husbands, lest we forget, it starts with our wives. You understand what I'm saying, guys? It starts with our wives. Not lording it over them, but pouring out the word to them. Just pouring it out to them. Making, as it were, and as it should be, disciples everywhere we go. Making disciples. Making learners, students, who will take it in and then live it and teach it. So that others will take it in and live it and teach it. In every way, we're not just to make converts we're not just to make followers. We're to make disciples. We got to be learners, not just followers. Be transformed, not conformed. Be transformed, not conformed. You're familiar Romans twelve two. This should be fairly familiar verse to us. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How do we renew our minds? In the Word of God. This is that filter that we throw everything through. And if it sticks in the filter and doesn't come through, then it doesn't need to come through. But if it passes through this filter and it all airs out, it's like, live it, do it, move in it. Be transformed, not conformed. Now here's, this is a, this is a challenging one. Churchianity, churchianity, grows by external pressures. Churchianity grows by external pressures. Christianity grows from the inside out. It's about transformation. When I say churchianity, I mean this. There are things that we can do, that we will impose upon people. Live this way, do these things, be this person, and you will be a Christian. And the and churches, 
Religion has been doing that for centuries. That, that's where the cults come in. Imposing on us from the outside things, do this, be this, act this way. And you will fit in with us here. And I've watched it happen in the church, within the walls of churches for a while, and it's it's disheartening. And it's also frustrating, and it makes me angry to see that we're telling people, show up. It's, it's said like this, you belong here. You belong. Come belong. Come be a part of us. And, and sometimes you hear that. What you'll hear is, uh, we, it's called love bombing, right? They just love bomb. Oh, you're so welcome here among us. And just come in here and be a part of us. And just be part of everything that we're doing. Come, and we, we love you, and we're glad you're here. Come, we, we have all the right words, and we have mugs, and we have banners, and we have stuff. And I'm not saying that mugs and banners and stuff are bad. If they got the word in them, they're reminders of the word of God. I'm not saying that. But we're drawing you in with the idea of belonging. You want to belong first. And then... Perhaps you'll believe. And then maybe after that, you'll behave like the rest of us. Where's the cross? Where's repentance? Where's the recognition of our sin that put a Savior on the cross? Where's the recognition that we needed the blood of Christ to change us? We couldn't do it by behavior. And if behavior is the precursor to what? More behavior? More, more behavior? But if transformation and repentance is what we're preaching and teaching and living, then that is a transformation from the inside out. And that is real Christianity. It is not imposing from the outside some set of standards that must be lived in order to belong. But it's Christ and His righteousness imputed, not deserved, in us and His Word made alive in us. And our motivation for living differently isn't to belong or to be a part of something. Our motivation for living is, this is the way He designed it. This is the way He made it to function. In living this way is the fullness of joy that He offers and has offered to us. And I would be a Fool, a fool to not live in his design and plan. I would be a fool, and it's true. It would be a fool, and it would be as much as saying there is no God. And all the while within a building saying there is a God. Or a, a construct or a group that's saying there is a God teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. I'm going to stop here. There'll be more. I'll talk to Randy. Part two. Part two. Because I don't want to just kind of, I don't want to just try to plow through all these things and do that. I just don't want to. I, it's not. It's not. It's not fair to the text. Uh, fair to me. I, that's that's not even whatever. The Lord will use. The Lord can talk through a donkey. He, he's done that this morning. And I don't say that. I mean, it's funny, but I trust me. I I understand. It's like 
I don't have this except he's given it. I just don't. I mean, I don't understand this except he's made it clear. I don't walk in this except except by his grace. He's given me something to say. I I love to preach, and it scares the living daylights out of me to, to speak in public. I don't I can't tell you the intestinal discomforts that come from feeling like I'm going to get up there and I don't know if it's going to be good or not, or bad and I'm thinking about it's like is this going to come out right is this going to be what what really what lord what you want and it's just and it's troubling and I I know that he's using a frail he's reminded me many times you are a frail vessel and I'm not rubbing in your face in it just letting you know what's true so you you're okay with letting my words speak instead of yours you don't have to be cool. You don't have to be with it. You don't have to be witty. Just, just, just bring the word. Yeah, it's going to run through this brain and have some context in it that might be a little witty or something. I don't know. But I know that this that we've been called to, this commission, is a beautiful thing and it's a terrible thing well why would you say terrible over something so beautiful because when you think about the weight of what this is it's the gospel of jesus christ it's like it's the it's the life the death the burial and the resurrection of the king of kings and lord of lords that's though we're familiar and we've sung the songs and we've said the things and we've read the verses. I, I will say, I'll speak for us. I, I have failed so many times to really, really take in the weight of that. And it's not a heavy crushing weight, but it's just this glorious weight you know, it's like this is the God of the universe and He has chosen to pour out these precious, precious gifts. This, these, the, these jewels, these, 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 this gold and these diamonds. And He's chosen to pour it out into vessels that aren't worthy of them. And by pouring that out into those vessels that aren't worthy, He's made them worthy. I'm not worthy in and of myself, and neither are you. But you're worthy because He has poured life into you. He's poured the gospel into you. Those who know Him. Those who have received who He is and understand it's like, it's not me, but it's Christ who's done something, who's opened my eyes and made me to see things that I couldn't have seen apart from Him doing it. Though people could rehearse the words over and over and over again to me and I could know them in my head. But it's Him who turned the light on and made me realize, understand, I was a sinner. I don't care how good I was. I don't care how goody two-shoes I was. I don't care that I didn't get in trouble too much. Because it's just, it wasn't good enough. And now, having been entrusted with this, this beauty, he's not just said, here it is. Just take it, enjoy it, live it. And that's awesome. Just by itself. He said, I've chosen you to go. And I've chosen you to share. You, you, I can't share the jewels and the gold and the things. I can't, I can't give that to other people. That's his treasure to pour out, that, that treasure of grace. It's his to pour out. I, I can't share that. But I can share the story, the overarching full context of the Scripture. We're talking context, right? Like every piece of context points to Jesus Christ on the cross and back to the fall in the garden from the very beginning in an overarching story of God will redeem people. 
and they won't deserve it. But he'll do it anyway. And this long stretch of history, why has he put up with it for so long? Thousands of years of this chaos and carnage and everything else. Why has he put up with it for so long? Well, I don't know, but you and I are sitting in this room today in the now. Exactly. We're, we're sitting here because he let it run out this long. That blows my mind. So when I hear now, when I hear the words, go into all the world, because I am Lord, and I'm over all of it. When I hear that, there's a different, there's a different motivation in my heart to go. There's just a different motivation to preach the gospel. It just is. There is. And I know that I could I, I could talk for hours and never run out of words to say how amazing and how marvelous is this grace. And I know that there are more stories than just mine here in this room that can say, I didn't. Des- I know that I didn't deserve this. I know I'm not here because I earned anything. I know it is His grace and mercy. I know it. And there are stories here. And I believe that there are stories yet to come from here. Not because we're great, or this place is so great, because He is. Because His Word is. And if we're faithful to keep just doing this, to keep just like Randy's been doing, drilling down into the Word and just drilling down into the Word and drilling down into the Word and bringing this stuff out, you know, and bringing this stuff out, we're faithful to this. His Word will accomplish that. And I want, with all my heart, I want to be a part of that. I don't want to sit on the sidelines and watch it happen. I want to be a part of what he's doing and what he's going to do because his word is proclaimed and taught and dug into here. I want to be a part of that. And not just here, everywhere. Not just in this building, but everywhere. Stop, Kevin. Okay, all right. It's enough. Let's pray. Father, I know... that you are good. And I know that you are going to save people from eternal separation from you. I know that you are going to deliver people from the bondage of the enemy and of this world. Because you are sovereign and Lord and you have all authority. And I know that when you deliver, you do. And so I pray for us as I pray for me. Oh, I so want to step out of this earthly experience here. And step into kingdom experience here. And say, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And may it be with us because we've heard your word. And it's it's challenged us and it's spoken to us. And it's drawn us up out of ourselves and into you. Lord, draw me up out of myself. And into you. Draw me up out of myself and my concerns. Oh, what what will happen to me? And trust you. Because you said you would provide. No need to worry. Father, I pray that your word takes root in our hearts. And that you stir our minds 
and you stir our mouths and our hands and our feet to gospel activity. Living as those who know the good word and the good news and have received it. And I pray that we dig deeper into what you say. And I pray that we don't just skim across it. That we don't become so familiar with these things that, that we, just, we just glance over them. But that they continue to stir us and ring true for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.